All right, so today I have Zach, and I also have Jacob here on the podcast. We're here for Bucks America. Thank you guys for tuning in for another pack information, educational filled episode here. So I'm first person you'll be listening to today will be his name is Jacob. Now he is young, 21 year man. He is become he's going to be joining or going to school to become a, a state trooper. Now we got to give him a warm welcome for walking the thin blue line for his things, but he has a secondary passion of being in the outdoors, and he's got some really impressive bucks that we'll post on, on our uh, Instagram feed here once we have this uh, podcast launch, launch, and uh, you guys will get to experience some things from about him and where his influences are and why he has such a passion from it to go from there. So, Jacob, since you, you've been hunting for how many years now? Um, I'd say I've been hunting since I was about 10 years old or so. I got you. So what is your earliest memor- memory as a as a hunter? Probably when I was I was just about five years old. You know, I wasn't actually hunting, but my dad let me come out with him, you mm-hmm. know, and I'd bring the BB gun out, you know, running around not knowing what I'm doing, and I would start shooting and stuff like that. And well, that is good to hear, man. At least at least you got your dad got you out in the woods. He got you t- out there hunting, yeah. but also showing you the value of life oh, yeah. and also ethics about handling a firearm because we all understand that with a firearm, whether it's a BB gun, muzzleloader, doesn't matter what. As long as you treat it as it's a loaded firearm, no right, matter right. if it's empty, it, it gives you a foundation of it. Yeah, it does. So what, what is what is your most earliest memory of a successful hunt with your old man? Um, Man, it was probably a while ago. He hasn't been able to get out with me much lately, but mm-hmm. uh, I, we were probably, I was probably 12 years old and it was Thanksgiving mm-hmm. right before heading in for dinner and we were up on the logging road. We we're about to head back, and I saw these doe coming in. And he wasn't. He was kind of tired. It seemed like I was like, "Dad, uh-huh. they're coming in." Okay. And then we shot the buck, and it was a nice eight pointer. Yeah. So that's your first buck is an eight pointer. Man, I'm jealous. Yeah. I didn't get my first seven pointer yeah. until last <laughs> <Right>. year. Right. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool to hear, man. Yeah. It's 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 great to have. Now, what what method did you use to take it with? What was that? What do you what do you use a, a firearm? A oh archery? yeah, that was a uh, Browning thirty out six. There you go, medallion. My grandpa gave it to me. And, yeah. Oh, there we go. That's that's still a thirty out six. I have a thirty out six myself. I love the firearm. It's a great platform. Yeah. Been around since nineteen ten. It's been. It is the go to firearm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when it comes down to something like that, it's a good firearm to use. But I've heard a lot of like as of recently, I've seen a lot of people saying that the bullets are going too fast. Like I've seen, like right now, for an example, Kentucky and a few other places out east still have some set, still ha- um, still able to go hunting for rifle. I know down in Alabama, there's people that's using certain ammunition that it's actually too fast. It just goes straight through them, and it doesn't. It just their their wounds heal up, and they can't find them. So, what, what uh, did you? How did you know that you dropped in this place? Did it run very far? No, it didn't actually. All the deer I've shot have been just dropped right away. Now, do you use 150 grain, 125, 180? I think it's 150. 150. I shot 165 out of it, but I've but you're, had it sighted in at 150. So. There we go. So I take it that's what the gun likes. Because my experience has been when you're, when you're pairing up, when you get a firearm, you always want to find what bullet it likes and what grain it likes. Because you want to find something that's going to be most consistent for you and you're going to be comfortable with it. And, and if that particular firearm likes the 150, now you use Remington, Winchester? Browning. No, no, uh, no oh, ammunition. It's ammunition, uh, Hornady. Hornady. Yeah. That's a solid round. Yeah. I have that in my I have that in my box too, along with uh, Remington and uh, Winchester. Now get this too. My my birthday is on November thirtieth. 
Oliver Winchester was born November 30th, 1810. It's like, I love it. It's <laughs> great. Go. Iconic men are born on that day. And if you look through it, it's like there's a lot of other predominant fe- fe- uh, figures in history that are born on that date. So it's like, you know, I got a lot to live up to. Yeah. So now you sit. Now, what else do you hunt? Also hunt. Uh, it's mainly deer. I've been wanting to get out pheasant hunting with uh, my cousin. Uh huh. Now, for those who are t- tuning in, uh, Zach is his cousin. They, these guys grew up together. They're uh, moms or sisters, which is great. And these guys have a very good tight knit bond. You can you can tell by the energy right here in the studio. It's just great and how they've um, came together. And they were well, you were out fi- ice fishing today, weren't you? Yep. Just got a, just got back actually. Both of you guys. Yeah, yep. We're all, yeah. That's awesome. So now tell me a little about today's experience. We got out a little late. We were planning on getting out. A little bit, a little bit earlier, but we decided just to run uh, some tip-ups that are uh, at one of our spots, and it went okay. We think we got almost two, in- two thirty inches. There was a, wow. There was a thirty-three uh, inch pike, and then the other one I think was just below thirty. And then we had a couple pretty nice bass on there as well. But very um, cool. You know, we were more so after the pike as as far as eating. Uh, that's not too bad. Now, what now? What is your guys's golden rule for when it comes out to, to keeping pike? Uh, well, the good eaters tend to be a little bit smaller, wouldn't you say, Jake? I mean, yeah, I would. I would say they'd be smaller, but it's really tricky flaying them. Yeah, that you is have, very true. You have to know what you're doing, you know. Oh, that is very true. I've seen different ways of doing that. The one method I like the most is that you take the fish and you start parallel. You you st- you have the belly down the ground and you start with the top flay, cut off. Go back to the tailbone, cut just above the spinal, all the way back to the back of the head, and that's just one flay. And you can get five flays off of that. Then you can rotate it over and continue flaying it up. Now the nice things about it, it's like that's some that's some artistry right there. Now those like me personally, I like the meat. I like uh, pikes between thirty and thirty-five inches. Now if they're thirty-five and a quarter, I'm throwing them back because next year it could be thirty-eight. You know, because it's like that's what my dad goes for. He likes he likes those those thirty-inch ones because I know with Wisconsin's their their minimum limit is twenty-seven inches. So but still. Some really good eating depending on i know depending on where you're at so like in our certain pool uh at least last i checked the regulation it would have been it would have been 24 really could, they, i know that they changed the uh, keep limit down from five to three. Oh, um, okay as far as that goes though i anything that is like 24 to 30 are typically pretty good eating okay. of course you can keep those bigger ones mm-hmm. um but the the flaying process gets a little bit more difficult and obviously flaying them you want to stay with your flay knife, you'll you'll be able to feel the bones and 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 you just want to stay on top of those bones because if you don't, you will have a, a group of upset people. <laughs> yeah. See now, Zach, for those of you guys listening, he is going to be going to school for a DNR. Correct. So and you're you're how much how long how long how far are you in your curriculum? So I have um, hopefully after the spring semester, I only have one semester left, but. If uh, things don't work out as, as well as I, I would like to, um, I might end up having one year left after after the spring semester, which is mm. fine with me. You know, get get it done and get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Then, so now have you started been looking for um, internships? Now, when once you finish with your program, do you have to go into an internship, or do or can you start applying early uh, right before you graduate? Well, it'll depend on the route that you decide to take. So, there's a a couple different routes that are pretty popular. Obviously, if you get out of school and you can get hired into a game warden conservation officer position right away, mm-hmm. you uh, will then go on to an academy that will be hosted by the the agency that hires you. Okay. And and usually you'll be introduced with a group of cadets or or you know the, the group of new hires, if mm-hmm. you will. Okay, um, I get it. 
Uh, but if you want to, the, the way that I'm kind of looking at it is maybe okay. go on with something such as like a, a park ranger, mm-hmm. something for a little bit, get get your uh, name out there, get get experience built up, uh-huh. and then go uh-huh. from there. And obviously, you still have to go through the academies and everything, but it's it'll uh, it'll be a worth worthwhile process in the end. I got so. you. So you said agencies. Now, are there are those agencies broken up by jurisdictions throughout the state? How does that fall into the the decorum the of the DNR? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be the state level um, DNR officials, and then there's also federal level. Okay. So um, a lot of times, I mean, you could get hired on as a federal level uh, uh, conservation officer if you have the right resume for it. Okay. But typically, that's not what you're going to see with people coming right out of college. Okay. So they might end up going with something, uh, going the state route first, and then eventually working with the federal, because then you were able to cross state lines. So a lot of those really big cases, such as poaching cases, there was one in Texas um, back in 2016, 2017, where there was a group of high school students that actually, it was the largest poaching case ever in the United States. No and actually crossed state lines. And uh-huh. I think, I, I don't want to be caught on the exact number, but I believe it was something over um, 50 deer. That wow. they sh- in, in like one summer. That's crazy. It's insane. And um, there was quite a few other instances with it where they were killing like domestic cats and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Well, psychopathic I, right there, huh? That's pretty much where I would go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you're a federal warden, you're going to work with those across state line cases, uh, a little bit bigger cases. Um, whereas if you're a state warden, you might be dealing with someone who doesn't have a ginseng license that's digging ginseng. And it, like in the, in, the, in the East Coast and like North Carolina and such. Now, why don't you pass this over to Jacob here? Now, Jacob, do you can you play a role in federal or state cases? Or federal cases when it comes down to um, as a state trooper, um, I I believe you can. Yes, it's more of a DNR. You know, you, so you you, you just you just kind of there to help them out then. Yeah, it's a lot of state stuff. You know, state a lot of bureaucracy in a yeah, sense. Yeah. I gotcha. So then is now what prompted you to become like this 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 goal this mission to become a state trooper? Um, I always had law enforcement on my mind. Mm-hmm. I was even considering me a DNR warden with a cousin here, but that kind of just wasn't really appealing to me, you know, anymore. As you got into it, which yeah. is perfectly understandable. You're young. You go ahead and change things up. Yeah. You know, I'm kids, so that's, that's a blessing. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I was just, I was thinking, I want, it's got to be something law enforcement type. And mm-hmm. my buddy had a brother who was a state trooper, and he uh-huh. was talking to me about it, and he loved it. And I'm like, well, it'd be kind of a really nice job. It'd be really cool, I think. So I gotcha. You know, that's one thing is like, as I've gotten older, it's like I pay attention to like what my benefits are. Not yeah. necessarily about like what the medical benefits are. I don't want to know what my vacation is because it's like, I want to spend as much time as I can here to make my, my bottom dollar, but I also want to be out of here too. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those nice things. So now what, what will allow you to be able to pursue your passions and the outdoors by becoming a state trooper. Tell some of the younger listeners here that could be listening to this. Uh, what was the question? What is, um, what is going to be like your, t- your, uh, your time off, your PTO? Like how does oh. that, how does that range? So this way they kind of give us an idea. Cause for some yeah. of its passions as yeah. the outdoors you are, how can you be able to balance all that out? Cause it's like, you're now you're, you're still single. You don't have any kids. And so it's like, you can be able to capitalize on your freedom. Yeah. Uh, it's, Definitely played a big part in my career choice, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I got to be outdoors, you know, fishing yeah. or hunting or something, just being out there. But uh, when I was talking to my buddy's brother, he was saying, like, he gets, you know, quite a bit of time off some days and he got, the, you know, he got the hunt opening morning. Oh, his wow. family again, 
he got a nice buck too and he was talking to me about it he's like yeah it's a good gig man so i I won't have to worry about you know missing outdoor time very cool that's good to hear so then now as becoming a state trooper how is it like what are you going to be able to uh the word I'm looking for is that once you graduate, once you become an officer of the law, will you be able to be able to participate in other programs too? As it, or do you, or do you have to focus on one aspect of your profession? I believe I'll be able to, you know, be in some other programs. Like if you're talking about acts outdoors and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think you know a lot of time could, is going to be devoted to the job mm-hmm. itself, mm-hmm. but there's going to be definitely time for some other understandable. Which I greatly appreciate, guys, because it's like the the being out there on the road 8, 10, 12 hours a day, it's like, it's tough. Yeah. And it's like, and the worst part is you got to be out there when it's freezing cold out there and when it's raining out yeah, there. And cold. so, you know, it's like, the unique thing is like, uh, people, I don't know if like, what's been going on in the dynamic in the society here, but it's like, seems like people are starting to regain that respect again. Or it's like, you don't hear about uh, people doing inappropriate things, you know, like yeah. giving you a hard time or becoming violent or aggressive. And I mean, that's, that's always scared me. Cause it's like, I don't knock on what I, I don't, well, now I have a new friend that's going to be in law enforcement, but it's like, so it's like, it worries me. Cause it's like, you guys are running into, and you don't know what's going to happen. And being in the Midwest, it's like, we, you don't run into those scenarios, but when it does happen, man, it's, it's scary. It is. Yeah. Now, uh, once you finish up with school, then now is your goal, where are you planning? No, when, when you, when you graduate, it would when you when you when you graduate when you start applying for for positions out there now do you now you're, you're currently in the academy or do no, you have to join no. an academy next so. you have to, yeah you have to uh, apply for it after which it's it's hard to get into really it is lie. yeah there's a lot of a lot of pro, you know, a lot of process to get into it I'm sure it is because I mean you have to go through some psychological training and stuff like that yeah. and it's like it's, it's it's a very it's a mentally strained thing plus it's like you really don't want to be working next to a psychopath. Right, because it's like because when you have that kind of power, it's it's very yeah. corrupting in a sense. And it's like when we when 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 state agencies hire somebody like Zach or Jacob here, they have to really consider their character. And it's like and these guys right here, I I vouch for them. These guys have a really good energy about themselves, level headed. But it's like it's all comes down to when they have the other douchebag on the other side, it's like being all up in their face. And that's where it really comes down to your patience. But as both as hunters, we could sit in a tree stand for 12 hours a day and we don't have to worry about anything. Oh, I should. We worry about patience. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet patience has got to be like a, like a trainer thing. It's like, it's like now it's like for, for your, your final uh, test, it's like we're going to set you in this car for the next 14 hours. It's like, let's see how you do. <laughs> well, and also in today's day and age, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, it, it's more so holding accountability for a lot of law enforcement officers. So obviously you see a lot of stuff on, on social media and such that will uh, raise issue to to a lot of people, and, and rightfully so. Um, so, you know, wh- where once we're done with school and we start getting to the academies and getting into those positions of, of, of power, if you will, uh, y- you will see different training that you will have to take and, and all these different precautions that, that someone needs you to be to be a law yeah. enforcement officer. And, and, and as we go on as a society and, and the further that we get, we will see maybe a little bit more strict um, uh, tr- training regimens and everything else that that uh, we will have to abide by. So it's very cool. Now, since you guys are becoming very, you're going to be conventionally becoming influential to the populace, how are you guys going to be able to increase participation in hunting? How are you going to be able to uh, make that work in your guys' day-to-day? So I, I feel not only is it is it my job to be 
a conservationist with, with being a game warden and, and holding people accountable to the laws that the state agencies have, have pet, uh, set forth. Um, but every encounter that you have, you know, you, you want to be advocating for, for this way of food as a way of tradition, everything else, which is hunting. Um, you know, you, you want to be talking to those people about it and, and maybe trying to recruit some of them because that's a, that's a big thing right now is trying to get people recruited into hunting. So what kind of programs are out there for DNR agents and, uh, state troopers to bring in that youth um, do you well, have any programs out there that you guys could give way to or give us some answers about? As far as I know with the game wardens and conservation officers, there are a lot of youth programs where they will actually um, take youth out hunting and they'll host a, a certain hunting day and that type of stuff. I know um, if there's certain TV shows out there that, that'll go on about, um, they'll actually show where they take the youth out hunting. And I believe... That would be the same with the um, state troopers and, and cops. They might have something along those lines where you can get involved with stuff that's passionate to you. I don't know if you have anything to... Do you, Has anybody talked to you guys about that in class, about other pro programs that you guys can <laughs> not, not at, for? No, not, not at all. <laughs> oh, I got you. Well, I think that may be a good idea. When, when, now, are you guys, is school back on for you guys now? Uh, I start January 28th, and I believe you have, you're have you about to start, correct? So I think that might be a good question to ask. It's like, do you, I'm sure you probably have a role model there, Jacob, at the at college that maybe can be, give you some ideas about what programs are out there already that uh, that may not be state-funded, but that a lot of um, all our colleagues that are yeah. uh, donate their time to. Yeah, it's definitely good to ask around, you know, and mm -hmm. try and see if there are programs out like that. But I kind of feel like uh, we both grew up in the country, you know, and mm -hmm. kind of born into the hunting tradition and uh -huh. everything but i'm trying i've been trying to get out my buddies that live a group in town they uh -huh. don't know anything about you know hunting and stuff like that because they you know they've never been i gotcha so during uh last season last gun season my buddy's like hey take me on a drive okay i want to see what it's like because uh-huh took him out and we we got a dog to the drive i shot and he was he was really stoked really he was okay. loving it no did he did, did he get a license too as well or do you we no. just wanted to you just wanted to come out and see what it was like and everything and i we brought him through some pretty big pretty tough hills to climb for drives we did probably four drives that day but it was rough on him but he was loving it that's so awesome cool. i mean that's a great way that's a great impression to do that to bring those in the, and i think it's like to put them where you guys could get stationed at or what agency or where, where, wherever you guys are at in the states like you this could be a good opportunity to donate that time to some youthful groups stuff like that big brother big sister type thing because yeah. i can see i can see you guys both being very good role models and bringing and now what would you guys recommend as somebody's first time? Jacob, why don't you answer that first? Uh, I'd say if you're in Wisconsin, you can't go wrong with a deer hunt. I got you. Honestly, like the annual whitetail gun season is mm -hmm. probably infinite. You know, pretty intense. Yeah, it's awesome. Like my little sister, she never, she's never been hunting before. We never uh -huh. even pressured on her. Me and my dad never pressured her on her. Yeah, but she's like, I want to get out. She I does. Wanna, I want to get out. So I'm like, all right, well, get your hunter safety done, and mm -hmm. you know, we can take you out. Mm-hmm. How about you? Well, Zach? and just adding to that is is um your little sister seeing the passion that not only you and, and your dad have for hunting, you know, you know, when when you see that growing up or or you just see that as maybe even a friend or an acquaintance whatsoever, if, if you're really advocating for this type of conservation, it'll <clears throat> bring those people to want to do what you're doing and, and they want to see what it's all about. And that's what I love. So, you know, 
being passionate about this type of stuff will really get a lot of people that you know curious. It'll just pique their curiosity. Mm-hmm. They're they're mm-hmm. gonna wonder, you know, why the heck is this guy going out and 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 shooting these animals and and then and then when you show them the process of it, how much work goes into it, the food that you get from it and everything else and how much joy that brings everyone uh-huh. that is huge so very true. Um, it's a valid point very valid point you know uh, my uh daughter uh was five when i when i when i'd uh, shot my buck last year and so it's like i she was there when i skinned it she was just sitting there watching and she didn't get scared about it either because it's like her mom's side of my side we we're all avid hunters so it's great and it's like i didn't pressure into it and she just wanted to do it and she's like reindeer <laughs> and it's like and it's like it's great. So when it came down to Christmas time, that's what we had. We had biscuits and reindeer. So it's like I didn't correct her on it because it's like it's it instilled a a positive moment in her life, an impression. And so it's like one of those things where where I've been listening to other more experienced people. It's like got to get the kids out there young. So this way, when they hit that 10, 11, 12 years old, if you want to do something a little more in depth, they're all for it. Now, what do you guys? What are you guys' thoughts about the, the 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 previous decline of hunting and participation or participation in general in uh, the last decade since two thousand six? So, I mean, do you want me to start out with the, like the the background of how kind of people figure out about those numbers declining? Or? Yeah, why don't okay. you go with that? So, every four years, the United States Fish and Wildlife Service will send out an outdoor recreation surveyor, um, and and they kind of get an idea of of who and what people are hunting and fishing for. And so, yeah, I mean, as far as the decline goes, I know in um, <clears throat> from 2006 to 2016, we lost about 1 million participants in hunting across the U.S. Okay. Um, and then, of course, from uh, 1991, we had people that were age 16 and up in the U.S. Uh, they declined. They were at 7.3% of the U.S. population, 16 and up, that participate in hunting. Now, in 2016, it is 4.4% according to this uh, Fish and Wildlife survey. So, <clears throat> yeah, we, we're seeing a, a large drop in that. And, I mean, there's so many different reasons and, and variables to this that, I mean, I'm sure we're going to dive into here soon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm kind of curious what uh, my cousin over here has to has to say about all that. Yeah, um, I just think it's... It's kind of sad in a way that, mm-hmm. that many participants have dropped. I got something to me and my family. You know, it's always been a tradition mm-hmm. doing that, and I don't, I don't really see us stopping anytime soon. So I don't, I don't really know what's happening. I got exactly. you exactly. So my expected way I look at it is that since 1994, when the internet really kicked off, is like when I, I, I started the dawn of, of the the internet, and. What I've seen happen is that people have gotten more comfortable. They've gotten lazy. They've gotten fat because it's they found entertainment in the house, and it's like some sometimes some of the legislation plays a role in that as well to keep that to keep kids inside and stuff like that. It's 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 too much to digest in one podcast, but that's what I've seen. It's like since the dawn of the internet, it's like kids have stopped going out because now they have access to the PC. Xbox, PS3. Like when I started, we had dial-up, and it's like you really want to test yeah. somebody's patience. You set them with dial-up, especially you guys. Yep. You guys are 21, so like you guys were just babies when you that when that stuff when that stuff I came up. Dial-up. Yeah. So, but here in Wisconsin, it's not, it's not that far-fetched. There's probably still people on dial-up, and that plays a big role in that. And it's like, and then with also on top of that too, 
with the incre- the increase of the the cost of living too. That's been what I've seen the biggest thing. Because like I remember growing up, my dad working sixty hours a week working in a, in a dump truck, and so it's like he didn't have the energy for it. So it's like I got to build a really good bond with uh, one of his best friends, and he took me out squirrel hunt, rabbit hunt all the time. And it was great. It's like we'd spend hours in there. It's like he would come over for breakfast, and then it's like, well, let's go hunting. Yeah. I'd go out there and be at twelve years old. It's going out there, and then we got as we got older, and like the the peak of the rabbit season was just towards the end. We we would do big rabbit hunts. It was great. The competition was fierce for it, and it's like and whoever the loser was had to buy beverages and everything <laughs> else to come. We turned into a big game feed, and it's like we would have eight, ten, twelve, fifteen people there, and it's great. We did it for several years, but. As time progresses, you know, and as the cost of living went up, it's like you had, you had to incorporate um, new children, health insurance kept that that always goes up. I mean, that's just a an ongoing tax that you can't get rid of. But I think that's been a big role in that play. Is like parents can't afford to take time off, and then if they yeah. do have time, they're too broke. Now that also can come down to diet too as well, because it's like we are. I I am not I'm not no fit uh, fit chicken here. I'm no spring chicken here. So it's like, but it, it takes a level of dedication to get yourself to getting out there day in and day out and like avoiding the McDonald's and the fish fillets and all that fun stuff that we can quickly like go there. And it's, it's tough. And it's in, and like I could, as a parent, I get it because it's like, I put in 40, 43 hours a week at work. And then I, it's like, then it's like, I only have a couple of days to spend with a little one. And it's like, well, I got to really organize how I can do it. And I also got to manage what they do. Cause the biggest thing is when they're growing up, it's like, you're always buying new gear for them because yeah. it's that they're always outgrowing the previous stuff when it comes down to their boots, their hats, their gloves. But the best part is, is they have hot hands and that's a godsend in itself right there. And then if you have the money to buy, you can buy a electrical, um, heated socks and vests and stuff like that, you know? And it's like, yeah. whatever you got to do, it's like, I don't mind spending the extra money. If it, if, if it means getting my daughter away from screen time, I will be, I'm all for it because it's, one of those things where I want to instill her with that passion that I do is that it's also want to let her know like if things come worse to worse it's like when she go when she goes to get married it's like that rock's gonna be bigger because it's like I know how <laughs> yeah, to skin yeah, a fish I know how to skin a deer got a fish and be able to cook it all up too it's like what do you got to offer? Well, and that that's kind of something that uh, a book that I'd recently read it's uh, called um, The Last Child in the Woods: Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit Disorder, which is a 2005 book by Richard uh, Richard Louvre. And uh, he, he talks a lot about, he goes over reasons why overall just being outside time has declined and, and some of the health benefits of it. So getting your children away from that screen time and getting them outdoors has actually been proven medically to reduce um, ch- chances of them developing uh, things such as ADD, ADHD, other stuff like that. And that, that's that's like fact. So, that you know, um, that kind of stuff, when you can get them away from those screens and really get them connected with what is going on in the uh, the woods around them. Not only in the woods. I mean, heck, you can walk down the city street and you can find wildlife interactions mm-hmm. just as common with, with squirrels and, and, you know, um, rabbits, stuff like that. I mean, you can still see those things in the, in the city, but getting them outdoors, getting connected with nature is actually uh-huh. proven to decline the chances of ADD and ADHD, according to the book, which I'm sure he cited some very professional medical, um, with, with how successful the book has been, I would, I would assume he had to have had some pretty solid evidence. Well, I'm, so. I'm going to, I'm going to take your word on that, but I also will, I'll 
get all that information too, and also provide that for the public because I had some some valuable information. This is two thousand five. This is ten years after the internet introduced itself introduced itself to the world. You know, Cr- Al Gore's internet. You know, I got to give him some credit for that. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did, did do uh, something right, right? It's something. <laughs> <laughs> now. You do you said you had a sister. Do you have any other sisters, um, siblings, Jacob? Yeah, I got one older sister, and I got uh, another older half sister. I got you. Now mm-hmm. you said your younger sister. She, this was her first year hunting. Yeah, three sisters. Oh, three uh, sisters. Sorry, three sisters. Yep. And the younger one, yeah, she's been wanting to get out. Okay. I'm really interested in it. And, and then, and you, so then, what about the 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 next one up from that? Oh my God, no. Uh, older one after that. She's she's a girly girl. She oh she's diva. All she right, she's diva. Not gonna happen. Show her fish. She runs away. You know she's. She's <laughs> looking at concealed carry weapons the other day though, and her uh-huh. husband was there with me. So that's kind of a step in the right direction. There we go. That's trying right. to get her interested. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. one step at baby steps, man. You get, you get her to like like get her into front of a firearm. That's next, and so then you got the youngest sister. What about the other sister? The other sister is not interested. Not interested at all. Off it, no. All right. It's like you should tell her. It's like the guys get prettier, and then the wallets get bigger when you get when you start to uh, go out <laughs> yeah, hunting right, fishing. You know, right. and stuff like that. <laughs> now, what about you, Zach? Do you have any other siblings too, or are you an only child? Oh uh, no, no, yeah. So I, I have uh, and uh, two. Uh, one's an older brother, or well, I, I guess half brother, half sister, but. To uh-huh. me, considered my full on yeah, brother and sister, it. and then I have a, a younger sister than me, which I um, obviously, when you have a younger sister, you kind of look out. I'm sure Jake and, and everyone else can attest to this. You uh-huh. kind of look out for them a little bit more than, oh, yeah, than every it. every other uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> sibling that you have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm the oldest of four, so it's like I have a I have a brother, I have another brother, or I have a sister, then I have the youngest was a brother, and we try my my younger brother or my uh, for my when my from my, from my dad's marriage from my mom it's like he is not necessarily as passionate about the outdoors but he, he'll still throw it down he knows how to fish stuff like that now as for my sister and my other brother get, forget about it man those guys grew up in front of the screen <laughs> yeah. but then again this is where I get where's where I talk about like my mom worked 70 hours a week my step my stepdad at the time he worked 45 hours a week so that, that in, impeded on the family time so when it came down that that time they were so exhausted it's like they just bought a better direct TV package Yeah, like um, you said, you know, they work a lot. Now, my dad, he got a new job, and mm-hmm. you know, he's he was really over home. Now, anyways, he's working so much, so I've been kind of fishing and hunting by myself. Yeah, and that's gonna be tough. It's like Hallie, my little sister, wants to get out, you know, and I, I'm like, well, okay, we're gonna have to, you know, find a time and uh-huh. try and get my dad out there with her too. But mm-hmm. it's been a lot of uh, learning on my own. I got in, you. in a way from you know since he started working all that time, but. A lot of learning, and then when he comes back out, I kind of have to reteach him things, you know. That Fair goes enough. And <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. To admit that, though. So what I would recommend doing is then I got uh, both Volume One and Volume Two with Steve Rinella's uh, hunting, butchering, and cooking wild game, and start with the small game one. I think that would be a really good book for your sister to read. It's really good, easy to read. It's big. They got nicely taken pictures. I think it'd be a good introduction for it yeah. too. And plus, you get anything. Um, with anything around outdoor life or anything like that. just stuff right. that we can get her interested in. Because the nice thing is about there's a lot of magazines out there, and that's a good way to introduce her to some of that stuff. I know I like reading uh, reading Jack London. Some of his books are really good. White Fang when was is one of my all time favorite books. But like listening, like reading his books is like it just it, it transports you into the wilderness where it's like 
I am on my own. It's like, what am I going to do here? And then now it's like, as I've gotten older, listen to other podcasts, like uh, listening to uh, uh, John Dudley's podcast with Joe Rogan here a few years or year or so ago, maybe a little longer, but where he got within range of a wolf den. And that was a little scary. Now, for those who uh, have not heard that episode, go out and look for it. it. It is something that will change your mind about wolves because what I understand and my take on wolves is they are the psychopaths of the nature because they'll kill for fun. They're, they're thrill killers, man. And it's like those people that have these cuddly ideas about wolves, you don't monkey with them. It depends on who you... So I, I will agree to that to some extent. But uh, so my mom is super... It's been an interesting life to live because my dad absolute outdoorsman crazy raised me up in in the outdoors and mm-hmm. and everything else but my mom she's from california god bless her soul uh yeah both our moms are from california god bless okay. her soul so um <laughs> you know they're they're not very into hunting or or uh, animal death whatsoever so it's been uh-huh. an interesting life because you, you are able to get those two sp- perspectives and kind of um not only gather your own but when you are hunting, because we both decided to take the route of, of going out and, and killing your own food and, you know, making use of it. And when you get those two perspectives, you really appreciate it so much more, I think. And, and that's also one of the reasons why I like uh, Joe Rogan is because he started out as a vegetarian or vegan right before he had started hunting and, and he wasn't too into that. But he's on that whole big uh, uh, farming thing that we got going on with the 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 commercial farming so he wanted to take his the the life of other animals into his own hands and 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 hunt and and provide his own food for himself where you know you kind of see that uh he has really taken off and and appreciates a lot and and that's what i think that uh a lot of people should should give it at least a chance you know that's a very good that's a very solid point here so Tell you guys, maybe you guys can wear me a little bit because it's like I've seen some different, some unique trends with the females, with the female uh, aspect joining into the hunting world. What do you guys think? At, 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 at since you guys are twenty one, what do you guys see <laughs> at with the upcoming, um, like the, the current participation in the female realm? realm? Well, I know that um, I think nineteen eighty five they had only one point three percent of the U.S. population sixteen and over. It was from the same survey. Um, that participate in hunting. But then when you go to 1990, you see almost uh-huh. 3%. And that is exciting to see. But, of course, that's 1990. We're in we're in 2019 now. Okay. And what I see, at least from a social media standpoint, which um, can be both a killer and a, and a really good tool, uh-huh. is that there are a lot more women hunting. Some of them, of course, like what Steve Rinella and Joe Rogan talked about, you kind of, you have to suss out the situation. But, uh, you know, I really like the way that it is going because females need to be involved in hunting because it's it's not just, it's not meant just for males. Mm -hmm. We all have that primitive instinct Uh to hunt and provide for our family and and get this food that we can share with everyone else. So Maybe you have a different uh, point on that, Jacob. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with them. It seems like anything to do with the outdoors, hunting and fishing is basically, you know, it seems like it's only males in mm-hmm. a way, but I think it'd be awesome to get more females involved with it. I got gotcha. you. See, what I like about with with the, the female aspect getting in, in the tree stand or going out there hunting is because it's like it's a level it's a level playing field because it's like you don't have to be athletic. You don't have to be fit. You can be overweight and still, and like, if you can put an arrow through an animal, go for it, man. Because yeah. it's like... 
it's it's a it's a level playing field. You don't have to be a star athlete. You don't have to be in the best shape. And I find it's very it's very equalizing. It's very almost at, a, at this point of feminism at its best because they're allowed mm-hmm. to be able to be out there and there's no prejudice. Yeah. You know, there's there, don't get me wrong. Their social media adds an aspect of very um, mean people. You know, but it's like from I from my own from our own social media platform here with Bucks of America, we try to avoid all that. We we encourage everything, especially younger the kids. We we want them everybody because we just like we have no discrimination. You can be black, white, Asian. Uh, like I said, it doesn't matter. It does not matter because it's like you're out there providing for your family. That's all. That's all we want. It's all. It's all. Most anybody really wants is like you're doing something good. You're balancing out the ecosystem. You're you're doing your part to do something that can benefit not only yourself but the family as well. It's just not hunting or fishing. It's kind of just being outside and yeah. respecting the land and you mm-hmm. know just mm-hmm. kind of looking around and admiring everything. It's like almost peaceful in a way. It's about the journey more so than than the killing or or anything else. I think that's if, if more people focused on the journey and how you got there and the planning that went into it and everything else you would find that more people would appreciate hunting. That is very true. Because I mean, this year alone, I, I only sat maybe five, six times. But it's like I loved every minute of it. You know, it's You're like... busy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. But it's like I wasn't able to dedicate the time for it. Plus, it's like when you have other aspects in your life going on, when you're getting... Well, like for those who are getting married, stuff like that, or have kids, they can kind of relate to it. And it's like you got to take the most for it. And I try to take a different approach to it because I've been listening to some people that like less is more an aspect of it. But it's like one of those things where it's like I got to look at years past data to plan out those dedicated hunts for it. Now, for hunter recruitment, what do you guys think has been going on? Because, I mean, I've seen some pretty hot news going on. Yeah, so uh, as far as hunter recruitment goes, I know that um, maybe you can kind of add to this, both Mm -hmm. of you. Uh, Iowa, at least that was the only state that I had known. uh, They had introduced hunter safety and and other hunter-related courses into not only like middle and and, uh, not middle school, but just middle and high school and and really getting people involved in this stuff because Mm – it's a huge source of funding for our conservation. So mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I'm curious to get maybe maybe you know of maybe some other states that are kind of. I know Utah my, has some, yeah, and okay. along with uh, Colorado has some too as well. But I think once they see these being bang, getting backed to uh, being very successful, like they were back in the 70s and in the early 80s, it's like I remember my stepdad and and his brothers and sisters talking about having hunter safety in school, and they're like. You didn't, see, you didn't see school shootings then because I think they had a taught of a value of life. And it's like now it's like we have video games that kind of devalue it, you know. And um, even you can even date, you can even find those facts about world wars, you know. Like when the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, they didn't want to fight each other. And it's like now we've become so uh, desensitized to it. It's like it's one of those things where it's like it's scary because it's like we don't know what's going to happen. And the town, one of the, the town that, um, that picked up the, the uh, program in Iowa is Garner. It's like it only is about... I think it's about 40 minutes from where I grew up, where I was born and raised in Iowa. Garner, Garner, Iowa, yeah. And it's a small community, and it's like, well, it's, you know, they're making the right move, and it's like they still have some tradition in that area, too. And it's like, it's not known for the uh, the whitetails, but boy, is it known for the pheasants there. Because it's like, it's, it's, it's very um, farm, CRP land there, too, and it's just a good way to do it. And it's like, what I like about Iowa, the, the DNR there, is like, they take some of that money, and they buy land. They put, and they, they turn around and call that public land. Like, was it 2016? They brought in almost 2016, 2017. Almost twenty five thousand acres of public land access. That's phenomenal. I don't see that, but Wisconsin or Minnesota or Ohio or Indiana, it's like this stuff needs to be brought up to light, you know. Yeah. And it's like, an, it's unfortunate we have to go out and dig for it. 
because the media is, has their own agenda, but it is what it is. But it's like we can look for it. And it's like we this is what we need to we need to promote this stuff because this is valuable because our foundation from the Robert Pitt, Robertson Pittman Act back in the 1937 is it it's it's paved its way to here and Theodore Roosevelt really was a big pioneer in our uh, current um, conservation efforts. And absolutely, I mean, you know, <clears throat> depending on who you talk to nowadays. Uh, they're eleven percent tax on that that ammo and gun sales that that actually goes towards helping restore not only restore wildlife but just keep them healthy and, and keep them in their their habitat that are now. Um, it 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 really did a big thing for us back in nineteen thirty seven. Now you talk to some people now and and they want that tax raised. Obviously, uh-huh. some people aren't for taxes whatsoever, which you can see both sides. But um, uh-huh. it, it has been an absolute amazing tool for outdoors men and outdoors women in in the country for for us to be able to have that and and going towards this conservation amen to that brother and i know just out in south dakota this year was uh, i you know i've been fortunate enough to be able to take that trip quite a few times in my life with my older my older man and and he if you can get your child outdoors, especially I think pheasant hunting is a great way to introduce people mm-hmm. into hunting because it's full of action. It's full of, you get to get some shots off. And then when you get that burden and you look at that, that pheasant, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful burden. Yeah. You my know, dad it, loved pheasant hunting. He uh, did. And he was a great trap shooter. I mean, he had first place trophies, medallions, stuff like that. Um, do, do your, uh, family get into any of that type of competitive shooting, Jacob? Yeah, my dad actually, uh, <clears throat> he shot M1 Grand a lot at the local uh, club. So yeah. now, can you break us down about that tournament? Yeah, so like, it was probably like one Saturday a month, as I'm thinking, and we would go down to the, the club mm-hmm. and he had three M1 Grands and he was he was a good shot. He won first place about every time and he would shoot the 45 too. So now, um, with the tournament, now he's like, how far out were these increment shots? Were they hundred yards? Hundred yards. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it's there would be four positions, you know, prone, and standing, kneeling, and then rapid fire is one of them. And, okay. Yeah. A very consistent shot with all that. That's yeah. what's well, really impressive. Was, and you did each who brought you along, and who else did you bring with you? It was uh, me, my uncle, grandpa, him, and then uh, my little sister would come sometimes. That's and good. She, I, she was getting into it too. That's she, good. She loved that's being very on that stuff. Even at a younger age, too. So. That's good to hear. That's really good to see. I know I, I, we were down in uh, Illinois this past weekend, and we tried to getting in uh, her, my fiance's, uh, Alicia's niece out there to go. She's 10 or 11, and she's got to take a like to it. But it's like the all the, not necessarily anti-hunter, but they want her to be more girly girl, but it's right. like they're trying to force something that she's not. Right. And so it's... <laughs> Which will end up making her rebel even more. Yeah. Which is it is what it is. But it's like we wanted to show her that aspect of it because we were in her safe surroundings. We're with uh, a man that's been hunting for lots of years. I wanted to sit down and do a podcast with him, but he's still on my list. But he's got uh, something like fifty years of coyote hunt plus oh, whitetail yeah. hunt. You should see this man's uh, uh, man cave. This thing he is impressive. He's is I think his biggest buck to date was over three hundred pounds. Oh, yeah, oh, and he's, yeah. It's, it's like, yo, yeah, yeah. It's it's a mo- it's, it's a monster and so like, he, he, uh, the, Most of them are European mounts. He's got a lot of turkeys. Like his first time out turkey hunt, shot a twenty-seven pound turkey. How are you gonna top that? How? You know what I mean? It's like you just, imagine just seeing that in the woods, like a three hundred pound deer or a twenty pound turkey. You know, and you're just yeah. you're sitting there like, oh, 
a mess, okay. dude. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly, you exactly. Get a shot off, and you don't know what to do. You just we were talking about it when he, uh, he shot his deer. Oh, you, man, that was. Oh. Whenever you shoot a deer, like no matter what mm-hmm. it is or anything like that, you just kind of sit there. You try not to act like a little oh, a girl, little girl, girl, you know. Oh, like, you know? like, <laughs> I shot it. <laughs> Calling your buddies and you're hearing your voice trembling, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I could completely relate. When I shot my buck last year, it's like it's like I told every. It's like it wasn't until after I, I like I shot it, something like that's like trying to go get it. But I was I talked to multiple people on the right road home, and it's like the first person I I texted was Elise. She's like, hey, I got him, and it's like she just like not even. Like thirty minutes prior, she got it. She got too cold, and she went and sat in the car. And it's like I just sat out there waiting until dusk, and here he comes. And I watched him come through, and I shot him. And it's like only thing in my mind was is like I didn't. It's like it took me so long to shoot him, my adrenaline dropped. So it's like it was for me. It was just like it was the best shot you could ever picture because it's like it allowed me to have the arc of the dopamine dopamine drop come down, and then it's like I put that arrow right where it needed to be. But it's like I tell you what, it's like my brain went from excited. It's 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 go time. It's time to go to work. It's work. Now it's like it's like let's get this thing taken care of, get it field dressed, but ran into somebody else's property and I had to pay, I had to I'd wait. Yeah. But now tell me more about your harvest. Now, was oh, this, man. this this year or last year? It was this year. Okay. So I I've only had a couple of years of bow hunting experience and, and uh-huh. where we hunt, um, I like to be able to both get out on, on public and private. But uh, mainly the, the the years that I've been hunting has been more so private, which if, if you are blessed enough to have that that option mm-hmm. is a great option to be able to manage the deer and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so this, this fall, I was fortunate enough to be able to harvest my first buck and my first archery deer. So I've been hunting um, deer since I was young, young, young. But um, every year it seemed like there was just does that were offering the opportunity. We'd wait till the last day, but or the the couple few last days, and you know if you have a doe that comes in, you're you're hurting for meat, which usually we are. We go through a lot of venison a year. Um, you, you'd take those does, and I just never had a lot of opportunities at bucks. Uh-huh. And 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 this year I was sitting down in my blind, and it was just a, a I just got done with a a grunting and rattling sequence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had really got aggressive towards the end with, okay. with the rattling. And right. this was towards um th- towards the end of October. I mm-hmm. mean, that would have been um October in the, you know, just just later in the se- in, in October. Close to Halloween since. Correct. Yeah. And uh or So when did you shoot this buck again? It would have been um, about November 11th, November 12th. And I had been sitting. I mean, I've never spent more hours in the woods uh, than than this year. And I finally got the opportunity. The, the day, literally the day before uh-huh. this 10-point buck that I've been after since since early October had presented itself. But I was sitting there. I just got done um, relieving myself outside of my blind. I got back in. I watched this 10-point buck come all the way across, and I was rattling, grunting at it. And it kind of came in, but eventually it busted me. It was downwind to me, which is always hard to beat a mature buck on. True, and, true. Uh, Especially a 10-pointer. It, 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 yeah, it had nice spread and everything, and, and he took off running. And I was like, well, you know what? Uh-huh. I'll go out tomorrow. And I sat all day the next day, and, and finally, towards the evening, a pretty nice six point buck after i just got done with a, a long rattling and, and grunting sequence and i had actually been 
really hitting the 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 rattling sequence pretty hard. So now um, break down the rattling sequence. How long do you rattle? Like give us a breakdown of like a, like a ten minute time span. So ten minute time span. I'll usually only rattle once every twenty ish minutes. Okay. Um, twenty because. You want to start out a little bit um, slower, a little bit quieter. Just make sure you don't spook anything around you out. Okay. And then eventually, if, if nothing's responding to that, you want to go from there and and really make it heard. So I went, that one was probably, that was the longest rattling sequence I had done all season. Okay. And I was combining it with some grunts and everything, too, and, and some uh, wheezes, uh, like snort wheezes and everything, mm, too. To simulate a fight. I get it. Yeah. And uh, I was breaking sticks. And, and that went uh, probably a minute and a half to two minutes. Wow. And that that's, was a pretty, long, that's a long cycle. Yes. That is very and long. I was sitting there, and it was getting towards evening, and, and I just saw this deer peek its head up over the hill, and I'm like... Here we go. You know, I was hurting for meat. I wanted a doe. I wanted a buck. I, I it was uh-huh. I needed it. So this buck came down and it was really going on because I just I created some mock scrapes. There was actually a couple active scrapes that were going on nearby, which I suspect were from that ten point buck which I had on mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. my trail camera. <laughs> but the six point buck came down and was really just working hard all around. And I had drawn back and I was watching it and I and I was like, no, 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 you you know, you've waited long enough. Mm-hmm. Waited long enough. You don't need to sit. But when he presented himself broadside at 30 yards and stood there Ooh. and looked at me, and I'm not kidding, it was probably 20 seconds of him and I just staring at each other. I, within that 20 seconds, decided I was like, this is it. Okay. This is your time. Fantastic. And I released that arrow, and that thing dropped not more than 75 yards. I mean, I didn't know it at the time. I had, I went over, and, and I had, <laughs> kind of what he was talking about earlier. I called my dad. It was the first one I called, and, and yeah. he was at dinner with my grandparents for their anniversary, and he could tell that something happened because my voice was pretty shaky. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course, right? And I, I was like, you know, I, I just I just got it done, and, and the buck, pres-, you know, I went through the whole thing. I called my cousin here right after. And I went over and inspected what I had for blood, and there looked like it was some good blood. So, you know, obviously you don't want to go out and, and kick the deer up a little bit afterwards. Mm-hmm. You don't want to push them further when they're hurting. See, my rule of thumb is usually about an hour or two hours, depending on where it runs. That's because I've, yeah. I've I've been there where I've, I've shot the deer, and it's like I knew it was a good shot on it, but it's like as I'm walking closer and closer, all of a sudden she kicks up, runs oh. off. It's like, oh, this yeah. is going to be a long day. And my dad had some stories where four hours in he went in and it was a good shot but you get some of those hardy deer and they can they can run a lot longer than other ones oh, and, yeah. and so but luckily i i kind of just inspected the, the blood that we had there and it looked pretty good and i i called him and, and he was coming down right away he wanted to be there with me which was awesome for my my first buck and my first archery deer and uh we, we got there and we went down and and we were checking the blood trail and we had kept uh-huh. following it. it was good the entire way and and i just kept getting this good feeling and I crossed a fence and I was looking over. I'm like, I don't see it. And he goes, uh, hey, dude, look up a little ways. And right up, it was this buck was just laying. And I mean, it, it's such a amazing, amazing feeling to put that amount of effort and time and planning into something that when it all comes to fruition, you get what you have been looking for that entire time. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I cannot, I hope that everyone can, can experience that feeling of being out there and harvesting their first deer and, and especially first archery buck. And you, you see that deer and it's just such a great, great feeling. I, it was, it was amazing. I get it. I completely get it. Now I was listening to uh, where to hunt podcast from Eric and I was, I was complimenting him on his breakdown because he, he, in one of his podcasts about a month or so ago, he broke down where it's like it's 
almost comparative to a wedding. And his analogy hit right down. It's like you spend all this time, you got this going on, you got this going on, you make this happen, this comes together, and you have the moment, and all of a sudden it just it's gone. He's, he's, it's like he's, he felt pretty confident nailing the the point down, but kind of put him in the hot water for a period of time. But it's like, dude, that's like I could I could argue with. It. It's like that is perfect. You know, I'm just got lucky. My my fiance loves to hunt, so it's like I don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> right. that's the funniest thing. It's like you know, it's yeah, it's it's it, finding a woman likes to hunt, likes to fish, does the same thing with you, and and, and it can spend twelve hours in the ground blind not singing. <laughs> Word to you yeah. is a godsend. It's a it's a gem. So it's like when it came down to picking out our engagement ring, it's like, what do you want? It's like, and she didn't want a ring, so she wanted a firearm. So it's like, what do you want? She wanted a cig. It's like, all right, done. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> exactly. It's like if you get so those men out there listening, looking for a woman, it's like if she wants a firearm instead of a ring for your wedding, there you go. Because guess what? Firearms. You can always <laughs> buy them. <laughs> yeah. So you can because. As as years progress, you can still always buy that diamond ring if that's what she wants. But the other thing, the cool thing is, if, if a woman would rather have a silicone ring than a diamond ring, that's a keeper right there. Because it's like I met some some women like where it's like where they, they didn't even like their spouse or something like that, or they had some ill feelings toward their their um, <laughs> in laws. It's just crazy, it's just like what they'll put themselves through just to get that piece that 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 piece of rock that's overpriced. Going back to that, uh, the feeling, you know, when you shoot the deer or whatever, I think it's almost just as good as when you get a couple of deer on camera that you like, you know, kind of your hit list or mm-hmm. whatever. And we haven't seen my, be- he haven't seen my deer. Yet. I sent him to me. He can tell you about them. I got I'm gonna have to see it. Yeah. You'll have, I'll, I'll show them to you, man. They're impressive. I, I haven't, these are not touching set on social media. These are mine. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no one else knows. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Do you, uh, do you name some oh, of yeah. the deer? I, t- I tend not to because it's like, I don't, I, it's like, it's, it's, it's naming your food. It's like naming right. a pet. But right. it's like for these guys, like these are like, like we named them all for 80s movies. So we have oh, one right. called Dark Man. <laughs> we have one called Ma- Maverick. And it's like, once you see them, you'll get it. <laughs> So it's like for those who are big '80s fans, like you know, Dark Man, go to Liam Neeson, and you got uh, Maverick. Woo. Well, you get him on your camera, and you're finally you know put all this work, and you're just seeing nothing. The rut starts, and then you can definitely pick him out in the woods, and that just gets me fired up too. It's like mm-hmm. that's him right there. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been What's your for. biggest buck? Because I know I, he was telling me he was, he was telling you, you got some pretty sharp ones. Yeah, uh, my dad actually he has more of the bigger ones, but I got I got a decent. Uh, I think it was twelve. He broke off. I think it's D two. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was it was only like a half an hour hunt because uh, in the morning went up it was super windy I was up on the ridge top there. Oh my and lord, guys! This thing is a wow, wow. Yeah, he, he was. That was that was an interesting hunt because like he I said, like a horse. Yeah, it was it was a nice deer. In the morning it was just windy and the, I went up to the ridge top and I was figured they're probably bedded down right now. Uh huh. They were. I kicked them up. Went inside. Ate chili. Yeah. Watched some Netflix. Even I. Finally got back out there, like started going out at two o'clock and I crossed over the fence on the way up to the hill and I hear him grunting behind me. I'm like, what, what is that? I turn around, he looked at me, he starts bolting. Oh like, no. One one shot through the lungs down. Nice. Was, is this is with your with that Brown thirty out six? Brown thirty out six. There we go, thirty out six coming through. Yep. My my grandpa gave me that gun when I was twelve. Oh wow. He won it at a raffle, it was A bolt and it was re- worth a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, it's too pretty to take out in the woods, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm like, well, I appreciate it, man. And that <laughs> thing is, you know, that thing's awesome. I get it. You know, it's, I don't, I, uh, uh, my dad gave me his 1100. Well, it's still technically his, but it's like he, he doesn't, it, his knees are bad. So it's like, it's practically mine, but it's like this 1100 is just beautiful. It's, it, it but I, I get it though. That's sentimental value. And uh, my uncle let me use his 410 for, 
had it for almost 20 years and I made the mistake of giving it to his his son-in-law and it's like and he is kind of kicking me for that. He, 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 he didn't yell at me. He didn't give me an earful, but it's like you can definitely have a disappointment for it because it's like he feels that it's going. It went to the wrong owner. Yeah, right. and so and but now he feels too embarrassed to ask for it back. It's like, dude, it's your firearm. It's that that is an heirloom, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like I shot so many deer, it's not deer, but rabbits and uh, squirrels, and uh, it's a single single shot made nineteen ten, and it's shoots true, man. I love yeah. it. I, I yeah. it is my four ten. It's like. Four tens dear to my heart. I get it for your your thirty out six is from Grandpa. And, and now he, is he still around? Yeah, he is. Oh, I bet. It, yeah, I bet he's I gonna always, love hearing about. Some I of always stories. tell him the stories, and he just he gets jacked about it. And it's awesome. And mm-hmm. all my friends, you know, they have their guns, and they're like, "Hey, we knew when you shot because that thing is loud." And, <laughs> and they, I sh- I started shooting. When I was really young, and first time I ever shot it, we were trying to sight it in. It was getting dark, and found you know i just started shooting i was you know so excited and i shot and skull came back oh we got scoped yeah, didn't i you? got scoped oh. man knock wood i've not done that yet knock on wood yeah <laughs> but you got scoped by a crossbow oh my yeah, god I mean, okay hold on hold on that, that, i think we need to take your that, man card for that one <laughs> no, no i was i was hunting with my dad uh back when we were actually on your what ended up being your land uh-huh and uh he had we had watched and it was amazing i mean this when i was young and that's what i mean get your kids out get your relatives out hunting because when i was a little kid and i was watching my dad scope up these two bucks that were literally fighting right in front of our tree stand uh-huh. that creates a passion mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and we, we he didn't want to take either one of them we go back he's like you want to you want to get rid of the arrow so, yeah, you know, you know, I'm a little kid, like eight years old. Okay. And I, I stick the crossbow all the way up to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. now since he's saying he's eight years old, I can we can get we can give him his man card back on that one. Hopefully. <laughs> now, do you think your sister's up for the thirty out six, or do you think she needs to? <laughs> she, she better be. I think she's ready for it. How old is your sister? She's fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, she's been wanting to get out though for a while now, and actually, uh-huh. I did take her out one time, and. But uh, my uncle let her use AR-15, bring it out. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, <laughs> trying to teach her everything. I, you know, it's strictly safety. You know, I'm like mm-hmm, trying mm-hmm. to keep her safe and everything. And we're walking out, and I look to the right, and not even 100 yards to the from the house, there's a okay. doe standing there. I'm like, no kidding. I'm like, all right, Hallie, get you know, get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, we never got the shot off. Started running away, kind of freaked out a little bit. But which we, is which is always better. I rather I rather freak out, run away, mm-hmm. and shoot it on a later date. Uh, that's smart. Yeah, try, try, I, try I, to force I probably, a shot. I don't think I would have let her shot it. I wouldn't have let her either. It was, yeah, it was because I just think like it was like she's fourteen years old. I wouldn't want her to have that guilt on her. Like where she, it's like yeah. she's not sure of the shot placement, and it's like yeah. nobody wants because we as hunters, Hit or miss, you know, yeah, we we want to make sure it's always a clean always, kill. Yeah. And if it's not right, we just pass on, and let it go because it's like yeah. I can always come back after again, and who knows if I if she could be breeding twins. Yeah, yeah. It, it was only like a two hour uh, stand with her, but. Mm-hmm. We didn't go in a tree stand. I, me and my dad have always, you know, we've kind of hunted just standing by a tree. I got and you. everything like that. So we did that, and I told her, you know, what what we do, like where the spots are, what kind of wind you want to hunt in this certain spot, and everything like that. basics, and, the and fundamentals, which is smart. She was I learning, agree. and she wasn't really, you know, like okay, whatever. She was soaking it all in, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just tell mm-hmm. by the way she was, yeah, just by the way she was, you know, sitting there and everything. 
Perfect. You know, that's a, that's a good thing to do. It's 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 teaching those fundamentals is, is the right way to do it, the right way to approach it. Because I think she's gonna fall in love with it, especially if you get to spend time with your with her brother. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing because it's like you once you once school starts back up for you again, you're gonna be back there. Then you're gonna be going into your career, and it's like having that age gap because like my sister's ten years or yeah, not or eight nine years younger than I am, mm-hmm. and so we have this big age gap between us. So it's like we were really able to bond because. When I graduated high school, I beelined to Arizona. Now, if I would have known how good the the quail hunting was uh, from Randy Newberg, you know, it's like I would have jumped on top of that too. But boy, I didn't realize how good it really was. And yeah. it's like, actually, still, but it's like, you know, that's what I did. It's like I went out there and it's like I was out there for almost a decade. Yeah. And so it's like her, by the time she graduated, I came back, flew back. She graduated. Guess where I went back? Right back out there. Right. And so it's one of those things where you got to take those moments as they have because it's like, I'm I'm appreciative of every moment I have right now with my little one and my old man because it's like he keeps on telling me it's like he everything I've I've, I've been decking out his boat got him some really nice anchors mm-hmm. got him some new seats stuff like that but he's just like guess what this boat's coming to you and it's like it's just like my heart sinks when he says that but it's like it's reality yeah. even like you know taking her out fishing too like she, mm-hmm. she's all in it seems like she wants yeah. to get out and do this stuff and teaching something teaching especially a younger person. I guess it doesn't really matter, but it's just awesome because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this is what my dad did to did to me, and I'm kind of doing it to her now. Amen to that, brother. It's awesome. Was there a topic you wanted to discuss? Because I mean, you you prepared some really good notes. Yeah, um, I guess as far as um, I, Well, as as far as topics go, I mean, you know, we were we were talking about conservation mm-hmm. and and exactly how much it makes up. It, yeah. So, fifty nine percent of the state agencies' conservation, and not just state agencies, but just conservation funding, uh-huh. comes from those licenses that we were talking about in the gun and ammo sales from the Pittman Robertson Act. True. And that is huge. So every time that we are seeing this decline happen, and and uh you will see the loss in conservation funding. And I believe it was uh, the baby boomer. So uh, uh, Pat Durkin talks a lot about, uh, I went to a talk that he, he went to and he's written some articles about it. The uh-huh. baby boomers, okay. which were people born from 1946 to 1964. They okay. are more likely to participate because at that time it was something they needed to do to provide meat for their family. Uh-huh. I gotcha. And and they carried that on, and obviously throughout the generations, you see a little bit less and less of that happening. But I blame boot stamps for that. <laughs> it, it's just um, with that with the, with the baby boomers, I believe it was something along like a fifteen percent decline in, in hunting participation. So mm-hmm. within the next fifteen years, most baby boomers will become physically incapable. Okay, of, which of makes hunting. sense. Yeah, I get it. And so when they do that, we are going to see this loss and a big, significant loss okay. in our hunting participation. So when we see something maybe where that 15% is, we are going to see a 15% decrease in conservation funding. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just matter to someone who hunts like all of us here do or whoever's listening. It matters to the average citizen because when if you care about wildlife wild lands and even park state parks and everything like that mm-hmm. that's where that, that conservation funding is going towards yeah and w- the lower that we see the hunting participation go lower we see conservation dollars for it go 
and then obviously state agencies have to cut positions, they have to cut um, habitat management and everything, and it, it's going to be something that hopefully we don't have to face. Hopefully the tide is starting to turn, which I really do feel like it's, it's happening. I feel like people are starting to see that hunting is something that, that not only needs to be done, but something that people can enjoy going out and doing and making a hobby out of. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. the more people that we get to do that, the more conservation funding is available yeah. and the better our lands are managed and, and the better our, our positions for people who manage those lands are. Uh-huh. And, and that's a big, big part of it. Makes complete sense for me because... It's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a uh, up to us. It's gonna be up to the the, the twenty year olds to the the forty year olds to bring back that uh, that equation because I've start seeing on the news and the, and the internet feeds about CWD and then they're hot, they want they want to hire sharpshooters in Iowa. It's like this is Iowa. There are people that are willing yeah. to pay six hundred dollars for a tag. It's like really you need to hire. I've almost been one of them. Uh, it's, I'm in the lottery, run brother. I'm in the lottery, so it's like it's it's expensive to pay those fees, but you know nothing compared to like Randy Newberg where he spends like fourteen thousand dollars a year on tags. Like boy, but you know he worked his hard, he worked hard and. One of those things is that what I've learned from my experience with it is that you really have to put time and energy into anything, and especially when it comes down to conservation management and such. It's you got to really churn to make things go very, very well. And so, speaking of churn, yeah, do you mind if I? Yeah, go ahead. And- okay, so. There was some uh, interesting info. Churn, for some people that don't know, is is a term that's used by people who study participation in hunting and and fishing Uh and so this churn is the people that will take a year or more and that is seen throughout all states it's not especially in wisconsin um actually where people will take a year or two or or so off from where they buy a license to where they buy it the next time so people aren't consistently hunting year to year they may have and that's that's understand you know if you have something going on obviously you can't be out hunting if you have Mm -hmm. something more important Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. But um, I know in, in Kentucky, there was a 15% churn rate. So people, 15% of all people who bought licenses were buying them sporadically. They okay. would buy them every once in a while. But as we see in Wisconsin, we're recording this, there was almost a 29% churning uh, uh, rate, which is insane because almost 30% or 29% of people are taking years off in between, which if we have those constant, that constant 29 hunting every year, not only would we see license prices drop, we would see just a better conservation um, effort from, from uh-huh. state agencies and, yeah. and people overall. So the more people that we can get on a consistent basis, you know, and the big thing is I've bought some licenses that I don't plan on going and hunting. So mm-hmm. like I've, I've mm-hmm. applied for bear, bobcat, every, I mean, everything that I can do for Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I apply mm-hmm. for, I do that get because it can get the them yeah. some money. Uh-huh. To do what they need to do to ensure that me in in three four years when I draw these tags I can go out and hunt them and I can mm-hmm. be ensured that there's a, a a decent population that mm-hmm. I can harvest from. Yes, you know. So it, the 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 churn rate. I mean, it, that's another thing to to focus on. Obviously, Western states aren't really seeing that, and that's also why we see the drawing for tags becoming harder and harder because more serious hunters are becoming available. So. More serious hunters are um, the overall hunting population is declining. Yes, but in terms of people who are being more serious about hunting and really wanting to get out and go elk hunting 
mm-hmm. and doing these mm-hmm. antelope hunts and everything yeah. else, they're becoming more serious. So we see the increase of the money that it costs to apply for a tag, and we're also seeing um, how much harder it is to mm-hmm. draw those tags. And so we're going to see that in the Western states. But everywhere else, everywhere else is really feeling the effects of the declining hunting population. I could see that. I can get that. I can be on that because that's all. Uh, I like the take on was it Idaho and Arizona. They both ha- they don't have they, they don't necessarily have a lottery, but they also do have um, a random draw where you just you just randomly get drawn in and stuff, which I think is a better system to have because this way then it allows everybody, no matter what age, creed, no matter what, you have an opportunity to get on. That's one of the fairer things to do, and it's like I. I agree with the tag system because we we need that income because like I wish I could afford to put in a tag for it, but it's like it's one of those things where it's like I got bigger, I have other things on my plate that I gotta take care of, you know. But it's one of those things where I'll eventually get there, you know. It's like uh, do I want to go do it? Yes. Do I have to do it? No. But I'll figure it out, and that's the biggest thing about it. Now, for those that are 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, it's like you gotta figure out what you want to do. Young at an early age to figure out what your true passion is. Like these two gentlemen here, we got Jacob here being a state trooper. We have Zach here wants to be a DNR agent. That I means that takes some early realization for it. And that also takes exposure. Now, for the parents out there that listen to us, please, please get your kids out there, expose them to them. Like Jacob here, he said he started, you guys exposed at 10. I was exposed to the outdoors at eight, nine, 10. You know, at eight, I started fishing at eight, and I started hunting at 12. Yeah, you're definitely. I was definitely exposed to early, mm-hmm. like really early, and it's definitely played a big part in my life. Oh yeah, just like, getting outside, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in Iowa, so it's like um, when I was between the ages of zero and twelve, we didn't have much to do. It's like it's like I lived in a small town, like it's only had sixty people in it, pretty much. Yeah, it's, and it's and it's it's a small community, so it's like. But luckily for me, I had a river. No more than five hundred yards away. Yeah, we're, I can go down there and fish. We're blessed with that, especially around here. There's so many, you know, outdoor activities to do. There's it's endless, basically. It's morales, mm-hmm, morales mm-hmm. hunting, fishing. Because uh, I grew up, you know, f- two miles away from a blue ribbon trout stream. Oh wow! So, so explain what's a blue ribbon. I, I'm I'm not a trout fisherman, so I don't yeah, know enough. Blue about ribbon it. is basically like grade A trout stream like really good Amazing. i got gotcha. you yeah lots of regulations uh with some streams you know you can't keep any of them over trophy stream mm-hmm. so okay you, you'll pull up 20 inches which is pretty big for a uh, stream mm-hmm. and i bet it's challenging trout fishing especially it's you gotta you gotta know what you're doing and i've been exposed to it since i was like probably four or five oh trout i bet fishing and now do you fly fish for trout I do a little bit yeah I know enough to where I can catch fish, but I don't know. You know, I'm not. You don't know enough to teach yet. I could probably teach someone pretty easily, but it's not nothing like those, you know, professionals. I guess you could say that's true. I get. Um, I there's a there's a podcast that comes out of uh, can't remember her name, but she was on Steve Rinell's podcast. But she does uh, fly fishing out there in Australia. They yeah. do it and they go out on the beach and they fly fish out there for whatever they can catch. Yeah. But they're they're running the same issue where we are having here where where people that don't think it's it's right to do something like that or anything like that. And um but recently over the last several months, once the people have stopped visiting uh, Pettybone here in La Crosse, Wisconsin, is that I've seen people out there actually practicing fly fishing. And it's like that's genius. Yeah. It's like it's 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 a great place to do it. You have open area to do it and you just practice. I've watched a guy out there I had an hour long lunch. He he was out there before I got there and he was still out there when I left for my lunch. 
And it's like because I my where I work for who I work for has a view of Pettibone Beach, and I watched him out there. Saw him before it got really cold here in Wisconsin. He was out there two or three times a day, two two or three times a week out there fly fishing. Like that's genius because there's no leaves, there's nobody out there to bother you, and you can cast as far as you can your heart's desire. It's a lot different when you're actually out there in the stream Mm -hmm. mid June and it's because now you're competing with bugs. It's starting to grow. Oh yeah. You're getting caught in everything. It's all about placement. What are they mm-hmm. biting that day? Yeah, it's true. You can throw a fly one day. You're just nailing them. You throw the same fly the next day. And you, you know, you got nothing. So you got to find what they're eating. That's why they call it fish not catching. Right. Exactly. No, it's like it's some of the some of my my fishing trips this past summer. It's like we were just straight up catching. It was, there's no joke about it. Like we went fishing in September and we ended up catching 89 fish total. 75 fish were just straight up perch. Now we had them like. We had a minimum of at least 10 inches, so it's like most of them are b- between 10 to 12 inches long. That's a lot of fish. And they were they were hitting on um, worms and minnows. We, we, we burned through our minnows. No, not a single minnow was wasted. There was one time where I had one minnow where I caught six fish off of it because it just kept on rehooking <laughs> it, rehooking it, and it was using a sartreuse. It had, actually... I actually have the... Uh, yeah, actually, giant oddly giant. enough, I have my, tool, uh, my, my uh, tackle box right behind me, actually. Oh snap! Here it is. I still actually have my uh, lure arsenal. on my fishing pole. Oh, there you go. There you go. There that's go. what it is right yeah. there. That is awesome. It's, yeah. it's a little spinner. It's still got. Oh man, I still got a little worms to left on it too. <laughs> but it's like uh, I, it was just it was remarkable. It's like you know, and it was the first time my fiance actually had fishing with me and my dad because my dad and I are really good fishermen, and she just would get skunked every time she came out with it, and she actually caught a limit. And as soon as she caught a limit, she stopped. It's like, come on, we still have X amount of fish we got to catch. Come on, come yeah. on, just let it out there. Keep it's it like, going. nope, I'm done, I'm good. Yep. You know, but she was she was a trooper, but man, it was it was a blast. But that lure right there, bought at Gander Outdoors. This podcast, by any means, not sponsored by Gander Outdoors, but they have some really good staff here. Um, Zach here works for them, and they have some of the best prices in the market. And if anybody says they're really expensive, it's like you, they're just just check around. I, yeah, I maybe, uh, don't want to throw names out there, but I worked for another big box outdoors company that is available in the same area so maybe mm. people can figure it out uh-huh. um that it was a little bit more higher price especially when i when i was in high school and stuff and uh-huh. going through that you can kind of compare prices so yeah oh, yes. yeah oh yeah exactly and it's like and i've looked at ammo prices between our prices and our getting our doors and shields man it's like they it's but then again it also comes on the subject of taxes and yep. laws and regulations yeah. so yeah. that they don't so don't Every state's gonna be different, but I'll tell you what, Wisconsin's a lot better than buying Illinois. Those poor bastards down there. <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's like it's like they have a guy that shows off his wiener and still gets elected. <laughs> um so yeah, it's like it, it's ama- it's like it's it, for what you can gather from this podcast there, folks, is that we really want to instill participation and just going out there and participating in the youth. There's a pro staff of ours, um, Dave Smoody, that he took out um, a couple of kids over the years and he um, was successful with them. And one of the kids shot himself a doe and I sent him, and here at Bucks of America, we sent him a hat just because he was out there. Our staff was out there showing him how to do it and he just killed it. He did, like he showed this kid what to do and now it's like the, his, he's got the buck. He's got the bug, and it's like it is. It is great to be able to donate your time, and, and it's like guys out there, gals, especially when, when you have the time, take advantage of it. Because as you get older, as you get in your twenties and your thirties, when you're working on your career or starting your business or whatever you want to do, 
that time becomes very minimal. And it's like, once you throw a husband, a wife, and kids in that, good luck. Yeah, and just kind of building off what you said there, I mean, a big part of it is, you know, me working full-time, going to school full-time, and trying to do all these other hobbies that I love, it, it time becomes a, a significant factor in, in what you can and can't do. But I know even working 40 hours a week and, and taking 15, 16 credits and doing the homework and everything else for it, there is still time in the day, especially when you are our age, you know, that that high school to until you have your family and everything else, if you can get a not only just a child, but I mean, your friends, your relatives out there and you can do that and, and show them what it's all about and everything, you will create hunters. And uh-huh. not every person, not a, it's hunting isn't for every person. I completely understand. I respect that. I, I do. But what you can do as one person in getting many people involved with this is, is amazing. You will have a big impact on the future of conservation hunting in, in the United States. Exactly. So... so. We're we're close enough to the end here. So what I'm what I'm gonna do is this is brand new. I just came up with this here. So I want you guys to list off uh, your favorite meat to eat, your favorite uh, game to hunt, and uh, what is your um, favorite fish to go after. And then if you had a place to visit, to go camping, hunting, fishing, doesn't matter what, where would you want to go? All right, so the first so one the first was one is meat to eat. favorite so. meat to eat. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be wild game. It can be Pork. Well. But you yeah. know what I mean? But just give you an example. So I guess I'll kind of go off on, on my own little uh, path here. So <clears throat> the favorite dish I've ever had prepared was something that my dad made for me. It was a venison burger. And in the middle, uh, he he had morel mushrooms and cheese. Oh, and then snap. over it, I had gone and harvested some hogs down in Texas. He had pulled pork on top of it and put some barbecue sauce over it. It sounds like a heart attack, right? But I felt the opposite after eating it i was like, well guess what like, wild yeah, game man. never gets recalled yeah okay so we got that tanker so next um, what is, what well, game would what game is your favorite game to hunt uh favorite game to hunt Ooh, that's a tough one because i know you, you got I, you got some hunts coming up too so yeah yes i do um hopefully in the spring and get back down to texas and do some fishing and hunting but anyway uh favorite thing to hunt I, it just depends i mean I love pheasant. It can, be, I, it can be even be a fantasy hunt too, but oh, but fantasy s- hunt. Well, yeah, then you could throw me off on a whole nother tangent. But the things well, that I've done, well, why don't you go base up your own personal? Okay, experience. so I love, love, love pheasant hunting, and I think that if you can get anyone who is new to hunting out to pheasant hunting, you will show them a great time, an exciting time, and an action-filled time. All right. So last bit, fish. Fish. Well, what is, what is your favorite fish? <laughs> favorite fish to eat walleye, but I mean. I, I will eat. What was your favorite fish you like to catch? Catch. Ooh. Ooh that's a well, tough one. Yeah, you, you caught some big ones. You caught yeah, some nice we've got, challenges. We've got some nice ones here at X Outdoors. We, we we like to go after some big pike, 40 plus inch here. Okay. But um, uh, in the summer, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, going cat fishing or, or uh, even just I, bass I, I fishing. I asked you what fish you want to catch. I don't you want to tangent here. What? <laughs> so what is, so it's like, sounds like pike is your go-to. Pike is a pretty big go-to, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I got I got quite a few. What about you, Jacob? What's your what's your, what is your uh, favorite meat? Favorite meat. Uh, my uncle makes super good venison jerky. There you it's, go. It's the best thing ever. We fantastic. Go, we go through a bag. Oh yeah, that's oh, that hands down. I could do that too myself. Amazing. And then okay, uh, favorite game to hunt. 
Probably whitetail. There you obviously. go. Very cool. And then favorite fish. Favorite fish to catch, largemouth bass. I oh. cannot, or any bass, I guess, smallmouth RGs, but I got some spots, and man, that's all I do in the summer. Let's go after bass. Let's go after bass. I hear you. I, I'm a bass fanatic, by all means. Yeah. Shout out to Bass Patrol, Patrol Nation down in Florida. Uh, my buddy John, he is uh, the heart and soul of that crew down there, but I went and fished down there in Florida. I've had, between the two different types, of, between the a southern bass in Florida and northern bass up here, World oh, of difference, world of difference. difference. I mean, down there in Florida, it tastes like you're eating a bluegill. It's so clean. Yeah. And up here, you have this very distinct flavor, which I love too, because it's like this way. It's like I like that distinct flavor. That's why I I go after this because it's like it's so enjoyable. Yeah. So I want to thank you, Zach and Jacob, for joining the podcast. Yeah, these guys are Axe Outdoors. Find them on. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Um, our Twitter is at below AVG Hunters, and then our Instagram is just going to be AXE Outdoors. Imagine, yeah, probably how you spell it. <laughs> and then we are working on our Facebook still, but um, you can find us on YouTube also at AX Outdoors. Fantastic. Well, you guys, thank you guys for coming on. Keep your uh, keep your pole bent and keep your lines tight, and let's yeah, enjoy sure. the rest of the remaining ice fishing season here. In the great outdoors. Thank you, guys. So one more moment there, folks. So I got some really cool news here. So I've decided to partner up with Axe Outdoors to increase my hunting flexibility here in Wisconsin. I'm excited to be part of Jacob, Jack, and Zach's team here because these guys have some. These guys have humble beginnings, bright futures, and strong wills. And I'm I'm just excited to have you along because growing. What would be, I mean, Bucks Wisconsin, Bucks of America, and 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 Axe Outdoors. I mean, it, it'll be a great partnership for us both, but also being able to have that flexibility in creating content for our viewers and our followers, um, it'll just add to that element that much more, and especially this upcoming turkey season. So you better be ready. <laughs> oh, dude, I am excited. So like you, know, I was actually listening to some people about about uh, hunting turkeys. You know, like a lot of guys that used to start out with bow hunting, they switched to shotguns because it's like you save more meat. You don't have to worry about the turkey running off on you. It's like, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense because like you, you can save a lot more money taking the turkey's head off by then, or save a lot more meat than like shooting, putting an arrow through it. But it's like I want to found out. It's like if you want, if you want to go after turkey, you got to shoot them in the legs because you you can wound, take out their wing, but more they they can book it, they can run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and there's a lot of great hunts Ooh. offered in this area. So I mean, mm. it's it, it's just a good area. Wait, to... do you see some of my videos, man? I have a video where I have at least forty hens walking in front of them. Oh, and man. <laughs> get this, get this. Only ten roosters. So uh, that's that is amazing. Now this uh, that's that was last season. This is this season. So when that comes out, so I'm pretty excited. Plus, we gotta get some kind of hunt, man. I got I got a problem over there, in Minnesota. That cool thing about Minnesota guys, we don't have to have a fur bearer's license. We don't have to have anything. We just show up. The only thing is, we can only use rifle sun up sundown. Once sundown hits, shotgun only. Shotgun. All right, so folks. Thank you for for being excited about us too, because we we're all excited about everything that's going on. So you guys enjoy your life. Spend time in the outdoors. Bring kids into the out in the outdoors as well. But most of all, stay true to who you are and embrace the outdoors. And do not talk bad about those who do not appreciate what we do. <laughs>